you, Howard. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out? You've got to get mad. I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. We're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start shit? I'll fucking take all you are! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bard pretenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. Next week, the manga and the comic book are the band of slash amateur newsletters and manga and pair cocktail bars. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. All the content is not like a speakeasy kind of thing. It's kind of cool. You can find these idiots on Facebook. ツイッターインスタグラムやタンブラーにこれらのバカを検索できます。ノーワン。ユリトゥメニカミックス。ウィナジョインブライアン。キューアダムエンタージ。我々ニコン参加ブライアン。キューアダムとコト。アイムト
So I get a call from my wife like two days ago, and I hear a cat meowing in the background. And I know my and anybody who's listened to the show and listened to the Death Note episode, um, hello, how are you? Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who does he want to join? Hello, random stranger. <laughs> hello, random stranger. Hi. Can I do something for you? <laughs> what, what do you need? Can you help us down? Can you lend us a five dollars? What about it? <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> Isn't there just a knob on it? It's a terrible night to be lonely. <laughs> uh, Dude, this is, how, this is how a horror movie starts. Oh, the, it it is is I know. Horror oh, my, movie oh, my God. What happens if Brian gets killed live on air? <laughs> oh, wow. I think we, we win a Webby if that happens. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll be back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. It's now run by me. So, no, I'm just kidding. I oh, hope not God he leaves his hand. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> so. Oh. Um, so, Adam, we all had a chance to like, kind of catch up. What's new with you? Uh, honestly, just prepping for the holidays. I mean, it's already here and we're already starting to get everything at work going. We have to hire like 20 people by tomorrow. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Not really. Um... <laughs> But no, it's, it's 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 fun. It is what it is. I'm hoping. I know Eddie has Eddie's boss is making him take like a week off because he has too much PTO. Oh. And I know there's no way in hell I would get be able to take a week off. But I'm hoping maybe when that happens, I could do like two days off in a row. Maybe take two extra days off just to hang out. Because aside from like, well, this Sunday and Thursday we had the same days off, but we haven't had the same day off since Comic Con. Oh, so wow. it's kind of like we're roommates who happen to sleep in the same bed. <laughs> So, Aww. it's kind of nice to actually be able to see your husband. Yes. Uh, but no, things are going good. I picked up the uh, the new PlayStation VR, and mm-hmm. that is goddamn fantastic. I got home, and you do this thing where you're in a shark cage, and you're going down, and like you get attacked by a great white shark, and it's fun. So, does that obviate the need for a television? Would, um, no, I would still say use a television because if you're watching something that's not in VR, it's like it's being projected like on an 80-inch screen in front of you, but the resolution isn't quite that high. It's 1080p, but when the lenses are two inches from your eyes, it still looks kind of pixelated sometimes. Okay, so if I was a college student with $900, I couldn't skip the TV and do that? You could, but I mean, to be completely honest, it's I'd say probably... Still invest like in a because you can get a 32 inch TV for a hundred bucks nowadays. So, oh damn, that's so cheap. Yeah, if you get just like an off brand one that's not a smart TV, it's like a hundred bucks. Okay, but no, it's really cool. We did that. There's a, a the Resident Evil demo, which mm-hmm. it plays like you're in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're like tied to a chair and you hold your hands up and you can see like they're zip tied together. And this dude wakes up and tries to like cut the zip ties off when this crazy chick comes behind him and stabs him and gets blood all over your face and like it's a it's it's intense but it's it's really fun it's like so as a generalities question if i was to theoretically go somewhere with a galaxy note 7 are people still selling crap with it even though it's basically been discontinued so two things you need to know one we're sending back all of our stuff for it okay and two samsung is going to send out an update that's going to break your phone so you need to go exchange it Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So honestly, I would say just get the the S7, uh, the, mm-hmm. the S7 Edge because it's the exact same phone, just a little bit smaller. Okay. Like my friends, because they had to go, they had to go exchange theirs, and they got those ones, and they love them. So I would, oh. 
I'm going to probably recommend that one for you. All right, sounds good. Okay. Cool. Hey, stranger. <laughs> Hello. So we just reviewed the book and we're done. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Great. As if you couldn't tell, I'm at work and we just finished the show and I'm slipping this all in and seeing if we make it work. So anyway. Are you getting paid to do this, Brian? Technically, yes, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I took advantage of that uh, two weeks ago, so. Oh, did you really? Remember, I was at work for the uh, the Gears of War launch, and we had one person show up, so I wrote movie reviews and read comics. <laughs> nice. Yes, that's true. No, okay, so anyway, so the story is, um, so as anybody who listened to the episode of uh, Death Note knows my wife is very tenderhearted, and if there's an animal in need, she will take it in. So I get this call from her, and I hear a cat in the background. I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm going to have a cat on my ass. <laughs> so, um, so she's like, well, they found this cat. It's really friendly. But it's like, it was, you know, it's kind of in a, she went to a Starbucks in kind of a sketchy neighborhood. She's like, the cat, you know, it's kind of young. It's probably about six months old, um, you know, and she's like, I think it's, you know, I think it's okay. It's cool. So I'm like, well, but it keeps meowing, keeps meowing. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, get it some catnip because that's basically weed for cats. Maybe that'll mellow it out. And so she <laughs> goes and buys some stuff. I take it home and the cat just keeps meowing. Like, it's very friendly. It's very nice, but it's meowing all the time. And I'm like... I don't know anything about cats, but I think this thing's in heat. And she goes, I don't know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it just melts out. Like a cat, a cat heat. Yeah. Exactly. So, so we had, so it was stayed at our house last or two nights ago. Woke up yesterday at 5 a.m. and I like woke me up and I and Jess had to go to work and I had worked later, so I basically took the cat to the other room, sat there and actually read this comic book and pet the cat and like <laughs> let it just kind of chill. Mm-hmm. And then this morning it woke me up again at 5 a.m. and then like was just meowing. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I just got up, went and, like read another book, looked up some some stuff online and stuff like that. And so Jess gets up this morning. She sends me a text message, and it says to the effect of, let's see, I will look it up for you. Uh, it says, um, so oh, it, 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 this came after um, I because we've been trying to figure out a name for the cat if we decide to keep it. And I said, we should name the cat Banshee. And she laughed, and she said, so I did some reading and came across this explanation for a loud, excessive meowing. She may be in heat. Of course, this is not only true if your cat is not spayed, but if it's five or six months old, unspayed cat suddenly starts to meowing and carrying on and maybe seeking a mate. Cries of a cat in heat are eerily loud and uh, almost sound as if the cat is in pain. They are accust- uh, they're usually accompanied by super affectionate behavior um, and an odd swaying back <laughs> rump position. When your pet, uh, when your pet near drops. So basically, I have <laughs> you know, a cat. What's weird is Maya's been doing that. Yeah, well, we knew Maya was in heat. <laughs> so I, I've been woken up at five o'clock this morning with a cat ass in my face, and uh, <laughs> so therefore I am really tired. Uh, yeah, I'm been back to sleep since. Um, someone who never wakes up with a cat ass in his face. We have Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. You can find me on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. And I had a dog that used to do that to wake me up in the morning, so I understand your pain. My father would open the door and just growl, and the dog thought he was being very protective and right, jump on the bed and growl back. So it was a nine-pound dog, so it would run back and forth on the bed, barking and yapping, and my dad would just stand there and growl. And he's thinking is the god most funny thing he's ever done because I'm there asleep and this dog running up and down, sit on my face and look at me, <laughs> look at me and think, "Aren't I doing a good job?" Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be very disappointed if uh, "Sit on My Face" by Monty Python isn't playing as the background music for for the second. <laughs> uh, actually, you will be appreciated. Uh, so the theme music I used for uh, Maya is an 8-bit remix I did of the Monty Python theme song. Oh well, there you uh, go. So this will be like the third episode with Maya's segment in it. So if you caught that in the background, congratulations, you figured that out. Uh, 
Money Python lover extraordinaire we have, Adam. Hey, what's up? It's me, Adam. Um, I do movie reviews for Big Shiny Robot as well as the Bored as Hell podcast. And my story about animals in heat was <laughs> when we were much younger, we adopted two Siberian or three Siberian huskies. Uh, they were puppies, and my parents kept on putting off getting them spayed. They just kept on putting it off, putting it off. Well, one day they go into heat, and we were little kids and didn't really understand what was going on, but I kind of did because I knew what sex was. Well, anyways, they got out somehow and went over with this neighbor dog, and the neighbor dog, you know, fucked each one of them. And so finally, my mom took him like the next week to the the, uh, the vet, and the vet's like, "Yeah, you know, we can, you know, have them. You know, we can, you know, still spay them, but just so you know, all three of them are pregnant, so we're gonna have to take out the the embryos." And my mom like is a very hardcore conservative Republican, and she was just devastated that she had uh, basically forced our dogs to get abortions. Uh, <laughs> I, I, this. I should laugh at that. That's horrible, but it's kind of funny too. To this day, like if I ever want to get get riled over, I'm like, you're a dog abortionist. So, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So, you read my movie reviews. Yay! Hey. <laughs> um, please keep an eye out actually on uh, my Facebook and Big Shiny Robots because uh, we'll be handing out lots and lots of free movie passes. So if you live in the Salt Lake area and want to go see movies for free or come on a mandate with me like Todd has been generous enough to do uh, yeah we've got that available to you so rock on I need I need to get a mandate sometime when I'm in Utah but yes yes you do uh, someone who has plenty of mandates hi it's you <laughs> I don't have any mandates I'm such a lonely widow oh um, you're yeah, a good Christian woman though what you're a good Christian woman though <laughs> I, I am a good Christian woman yeah, you got a $5 I mean, listen, you gotta earn that money somehow. She works hard for the money. Um, fabric does not buy itself. Um, so hi, I'm Q. Uh, this week, Gypsy opens, although I bet by the time you guys hear this, it'll already been open for three weeks. Um, but uh, I, I finally stitched my last stitch on my costumes. Yay, vagina lights! And, um, that was really amazing, by the way. I know, I was super, I was super proud of myself for that. Um, thank you. And, um, so that's the and we're in the midst of White Christmas and I'm so much looking forward to being done with White Christmas because bitch needs a nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so um, there's that. Okay. So um, leading on from that, so this week we are doing. Uh, oh wait, we have a host too. Oh well, I, yeah, but I already talked about my cat issues, so that everybody knows who I am. Um, <laughs> So, who is she? Who was she? Who the cat? Who did she hope to be? <laughs> um, I, moments. Uh, uh, again, all of you fucking losers don't know the boys in the band. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever, and if we ever actually do our game movie podcast, which we've talked about for a year now, um, <laughs> that'll be one of the first ones we do. Because uh, it's literally one of my favorites. A few years ago, my friends and I did a stage reading of the play. Oh, such a good show. I played Harold, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Because, duh. <laughs> it's a, the, the bitchy queen whose birthday it is who doesn't enter until Act 2, you're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're making America great again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's making, making America great, the nightly news. <laughs> the nightly news. Uh, which, 
not only did we, I picked this book because when this episode airs, tomorrow will be election day. May God have mercy on our souls. Uh, but also, I found out in an interview, this is actually the 10th anniversary of this book coming out in November. Oh, really? So, oh. so we're topical, sort of, you know, topical 10 years we're after the fact. Super topical. We are super topical. Mm-hmm. Um, so a brief explanation of this book is uh, it is uh, it's uh, Jonathan Hick- Hickman's first uh, comic book he uh, wrote and uh, did the art for it. Um, apparently has a background in graphic design, which if you've read anything else by Jonathan Hickman, you would have assumed that he was some sort of professor of uh, psychology or something. Um, or something. Or something. Um, but uh, apparently his background is in graphic design, which leads to me to one of my favorite aspects of this book is I do like the art in this book a great deal. But... That aside, uh, basically what the story is is that it's um, a group, uh, essentially a cult that is led by a mysterious uh, figure that is uh, seeking revenge. All the members of the cult were somehow uh, wronged by news organizations. They're you know wrongly accused of something, which then of course end up leading leading to their lives being destroyed. They are collected by this group, and then they are basically seeking out revenge um, against uh, news organizations. Um, and it's a big question of who's really running this thing and all sorts of stuff. So uh, that being said, if you're going to read this book we need a drinking game and now for sports fanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports listen up sports fans the thrill of victory prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game and the agony of defeat remember it's only a game and a dumb one at that the human drama of athletic competition so don't take it too seriously and above all else Please drink responsibly. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Rule one. The voice says, take a drink. Rule. When you see the marking, the voice says, then do as the voice commands and take a drink. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested, banging his chest. Rule two. The branding. Rule. When you see the equal sign logo of the cult of the voice, take a drink. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Rule three, the drinking buddy rule. Uh, when a character's in the book are drinking, then you get to drink two. The 20, they're chasing him, they're not gonna get him, waving his arms, bare chested. Somebody stop that yeah, man. Here comes the blue goat. Oh, they got him, they're coming from the left. Oh, they tackle him at the podium. Rule four, the boom rule. Someone blows up, take a drink. Rule five, the old lady rule. Anytime the print is too small for you to read, take a drink. I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you got a knife and the clink coming out. And our final rule, the I am so smart, SMRT rule. Anytime Hickman's writing makes you feel stupid, take a drink. So this is the point in time where if you want to read this book, which... Um, I'm sure the panel will have mixed feelings on it. Please set aside a whole day yeah, <laughs> to do this. Yeah, I will warn you about this. There's a lot of extra little side detail about like corporate America and all which, this. Which are interesting. They are uh, interesting. You know, I'll, I'll put that in before. It are, however, it is written in a size 7 font. Yeah. So get out your magnifying glass because listen, y'all. And the book will make fun of you for not reading it. Exactly. It will. Which I think is kind of funny, actually. But um, (laughs) that getting aside, uh, it will also bog down (laughs) your reading a little bit. Um, And is actually when I first time I read the book, I found that a little bit intimidating, um, which is why it took me a little while to get through it. Uh, This book was originally recommended to me for this show from uh, our good friend uh, Jeremiah, so that's why I originally read it. But. If you decide you would like to read it, here's the time where you get to pause the podcast and we will wait for you. And then when you press play again, magically, 
we'll be back. And uh, actually, we'll, we'll be drinking, but that's well, not the point. That's true too, and you will be drinking with us as well. Uh, so, <laughs> you're gonna come back drunk as shit and be like, "The fuck are they saying?" Oh my god! <laughs> Just hopefully, don't get drunk before starting to read this book, because oh my god, girl, your eyes gonna be so squinty. <laughs> that might help with the small print, though. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> you train Japanese and shit. <laughs> you, you do that a different way. Uh, oh yeah, that's what masturbation is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that is. I was just being racist. Oh, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So then, uh, I think uh, we'll take a little break, and you can join us on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Well, cool. Uh, so I guess that puts us back. Warning. You're entering spoiler territory. Don't say I didn't warn you. Does anybody think they can sum this book up in two minutes or less? Just out of curiosity, because I think I can do it, but I want to see if anybody else can do it. Okay, Q, I would love to hear your summary in two minutes or less. The plot of the story. Lightning round begins now. Okay, so... There's this cult, and they've all been wronged by the media. So they start killing people in the media, and then you find out that the government runs the media. And then at the end, after everyone dies and things explode, and the cult is mostly dead, you find out that the senator is behind both the media and the cult that is against the media, and now they're going to take on the lawyers. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Damn, we said to say two minutes. You did twenty seconds. You're welcome. Listen, the fact that it took me six hours to read this fucking book and I can summarize it in twenty seconds says a whole fucking lot about this book. It's kind of like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, it is. Oh my god! I don't need seven names for one person. Okay, so speaking so of Lord of the Rings, so I. So I, I read The Hobbit in high school for a book report or some such nonsense. And um, so then in college, I was like, oh, well, the movies are coming out. I want to read all, all of the books before the movies come out. You know, thinking that, you know, it's going to be like Jurassic Park and be amazing. That was a lie. Um, I literally got to Elrond's table, like when, like when they're actually like learning about the ring, and at the seventh name for fucking what, what's the guy's name? The ranger? No, I can't. Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. When they, like it's like the seventh name for him. I was like, and I'm done. I cannot listen <laughs> to one more goddamn name of somebody. And then I was like, what? And then they got to the dwarves, and I was like, no, fuck no. Fuck no. I'm done with dwarf names because guess what? They're all the goddamn same. I'm done. So I was like, I'll just wait for the movies and I'll enjoy myself. And I do. I love the movies. And I I love Tolkien. I love all that stuff. But your books are boring. Okay. So hot. Hello, everyone. <laughs> see, I, so I'm the opposite because like, I, I got into Lord of the Rings because I went to a very, very strict Baptist uh, junior high school that makes Mormons look like Satanists. Nice. And I used to help... Uh, my pastor's wife was the one who ran the library, and so I would help her out there just because I could get my work done in five minutes because high school was easy. Um, and someone donated The Hobbit in the first Lord of the Rings book, and the pastor, who eventually went to jail for molesting children, uh, said we couldn't have it there because it was magic and satanic. And she's like, no, it's not. It's an allegory of the Bible, but she was a woman, so she was dumb, so she didn't mm-hmm. care. So she's like, no, you need to read these books. You'll like them. So I read those when I was like 11 or 12 years old. 
and I loved them, but no one ever told me until I was 18 there was a third book in the series. So <laughs> as far as I knew, the story ended when Frodo gets captured by Shelob. I'm like, well, that's a shitty ending to a book. What the heck happens? So, but, you know, uh, I, 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 I love Lord of the Rings. I cannot get into the Game of Thrones books. It's just... See, I, I I tried Game of Thrones. I read I read the first book, and then I watched mm-hmm. the first series, and I was like, "Well, this is shitty." And <laughs> everyone that I like is having a really shitty time, except for Cersei, because I mean, let's face it, Cersei's like the baddest bitch. Shame, shame. shame. <laughs> and um, but like, I, I was just like, I hate everyone in this book, and the people that I liked are either dead or something horrible has happened to them. So pff, I'm done. I I did watch the first season of Game of Thrones and actually I need to catch up on this last season but uh, it was the same way it was like trying to read the books it was like so many names and it was finally catered so this person is Sister Fucker Uh, yeah exactly okay let me pull up my flow chart (laughs) yeah here's Dragon Titties here's uh, Drunk Dwarf Uh, (laughs) and that's how they're all named (laughs) yeah that's exactly how I felt. So, so nightly news. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of names in here too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, and only three female characters. Huh. <laughs> Two of which don't say anything really. Um. Anyway. God, I, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you. <laughs> um. We're gonna go to hell when we go to hell when we do. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It is now time for another transmission of comic book history with Professor Meyer. So yeah, so you're the one who originally recommended the nightly news to me. And uh, I didn't realize that Jonathan Hickman was an artist as well. He drew this as well, correct? Right. Before doing comics, he was a graphic designer. And it's very apparent in, in the way he, he drew Nightly News that he was a graphic designer. I mean, if you look at his art, like, it's it's totally there. Jonathan Hickman, uh, that was his, his first comic book. He wrote and drew it and sold the image. And I guess the rest is history. He's all over the place now. He's stepped away from superhero comics for a little while after Secret Wars. Uh, he's focusing on his own thing. Uh, he is currently doing the Black Monday Murders. Don't know what it's about. I just picked it up because I like Jonathan Hickman. Well, he's done a million things since uh, since Nightly News, but Nightly News is what got him on the map. Nightly News is what uh, Brian Michael Bendis read and decided, hey, I want this guy uh, to come work at Marvel. And it's because of uh, Brian Michael Bendis that Jonathan Hickman came into Marvel. Uh, They worked together, uh, at least in the beginning, worked together on uh, Secret Warriors. And that was his first big thing at Marvel. Um, And that is also, that is is a great book. S.H.I.E.L.D. spy action at its finest. And then from there, I mean, he got a little more work and a little more work and eventually uh, wrote the big Secret Wars event last year. It was was like a big alternate, alternate universe type thing. Um, his he had, they put him on the Avengers to start with, and his whole Avengers run was basically leading towards Secret Wars. To my understanding, I may, may be a little off here. When he originally pitched Avengers, he pitched the idea for Secret Wars, and this whole run of Avengers built and built and built up to the Secret Wars story that involved the Beyonders. So not the Beyonder from Secret Wars, uh, the original one, but... Uh, there's a race of the Beyonders effectively kind of trying to destroy the universe and uh, Doctor Doom and Molecule Man and Doctor Strange kind of saving the universe. And to save it, they basically t- 
took all the different multiverses and collapsed them together into one world called Battle World. So you had like your Age of Apocalypse land, uh, you had your Civil War land, you had just kind of everything mashed together with with one ruler over everything, Lord Doom. It was a big epic story. Jonathan Hickman, people either loved it or hated it, and that seems to be the way with Jonathan Hickman on everything. People either really like him or really don't. I am in the camp that really likes him. I can see why people don't, though. He tends to write a little, like, trying, trying to show he's too smart sometimes. I'm in the camp that loves Grant Morrison, and it's kind of the same thing with him. He's kind of, kind of the newer Grant Morrison, I would say. Oh, Grant Morrison intends to be less sciencey and more like writing about, you know, the fifth dimension, and, and everything is, all, all his comics are somehow tied together, even though they're really not, and uh, <laughs> even my Marvel and DC books are somehow all tied together. Yeah. Uh, he also, real quick, just side note, has another book called, uh, Pax Romana. I haven't read it all the way, but it's basically about like what if the Catholic Church had time travel and were using it to benefit themselves. From what little I've read so far, it is also a crazy, kooky, really out there book. But yeah, no, I, I highly recommend Nightly News. It's uh, it's one of the reasons I, I recommended it to you. I'm glad you you uh, sat down and uh, pushed forward. Remember, remember what Luke Cage taught us: always forward, never back. With with everything political going on right now, like it may uh, it may hurt a little bit to read that book, but uh. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. This book, though, it it was uh, different. Still has a lot of the same themes as DMZ, mm-hmm. uh, which is mostly you know corporate media, and I'm just like, yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know. I really felt like this was. Uh, like as 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 I said in our in our text group, I just felt like it was it was just like a lot of um. Oh, hold on, now I have to think about what I actually said. Hold on, let me pull it up real quick. Because <laughs> it was We're funny. Not allowed to really seal the line. Yeah, uh, yes. I, oh, his look how smart I am antics are wearing as thin as his fra- fragile white masculinity. Um, <laughs> like that's that's really that's really how I felt about this book. Like I'm like, listen, I get it. You're like really smart and you did a lot of research to go into this book. However, if it's not entertaining, which it's not, then why bother? Um, I, I I just felt like he was just throwing a whole bunch of facts at us, which it, you know he cites his sources in the back like a good fact checker. Mm-hmm. Um, like which is a plot point in this in this book um Mm -hmm. i just feel like it was just like yeah you throw a whole bunch of information at us but then i feel like the target audience for this book which is fanboys are gonna read this and now think that they're like super fucking smart and Mm -hmm. i'm just like no you should probably still do your own research if you like really want to be educated about a topic Mm -hmm. um but there's like no dude in this book and it's like so smart like like the media is just like controlling everything and i'm like yeah because rich white people do control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so there wasn't anything that was like a revelation. Now, I was a bit shocked at who the voice actually was, but uh, the senator. I actually yeah. thought that it was going to be the other media guy, the one with the glasses, who no one knows who anyone's names is because apparently names don't matter. Yeah. Um, Names or faces, because everyone's face is like half in the in like shadow anyway. And they all so look like, very similar too. Like sometimes yeah. it's hard to tell a difference. So okay, so this is how this is how I felt about the art. So there are also like two black characters in the story, and I th- and I thought they were the same guy because they both have afros until the other guy came in with sunglasses. Later, I'm like, oh, that's right. There was a black guy with afro without sunglasses, or black guy with afro without sunglasses. <laughs> 
and then and then so like the so at first I thought that there was just like the one guy and so he doesn't get to say anything but then when it's introduced um so I thought that it was the guy who says that he doesn't believe in racism which I'm like oh yeah because that's what white people want to think a black character says is that they don't believe in racism and and then he literally is rude to a white girl and then uses a suicide bomb to blow up the bar. And I was like, oh, great. So the one black character gets to, <laughs> even though he doesn't believe in racism, gets to call someone a white bitch and then blow himself up. Awesome. Great. Um, anyway, I, I, was, I was not entertained. Uh, it was hard to I'm read. I'm not so, entertained! <laughs> so, um, it, like, like actual com- complaints about like trying to read the book it's super wordy so like once again set yourself some time to read this the font is not easy to read because it's really small listen i'm an old lady <laughs> I, I you know i was taking my time and trying to read all the words but eventually i was just like you know what if he wanted me to read this he would have made it easier for me to read so i'm gonna skip this part um and that was the part that explained everything. I'm, I'm sure that it was. I'm sure that it was. Um, but it, and like, to me, and it could just be because of, you know, the fact that we already read DMZ or the fact that, you know, this book is now 10 years old, but like, it wasn't shocking or new. It's like, yeah, I get it. The government controls everything. Mm-hmm. And? Like, I, it, and, and, I, and I just feel like a lot of, the statements made in this book, which, by the way, everyone, go vote tomorrow. Time travel. Or Party. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, go vote tomorrow. But, like, a lot of the things said in this book, I was like, and this is what Trump supporters would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just, it just kind of, like, I, I, I obviously wasn't a fan. Um, do, I, do I think it was well written? Do I think that he has something to say? And do I think that it, it, said some things yeah i mean and obviously it's well researched he has his sources and i'm sure we could all look them up and you know find the same statistics that he posts in his infographics but i mean it's just kind of like and i just feel like it gets bogged down so much with him trying to sound super smart and try to explain all these things when it's just like do just tell us the story and just have the people talk like normal people and you know if you want to blow shit up by all means please blow shit up but there wasn't even a lot of that happening in this book like, there were, like for for like a like a comic book where it's supposed to be like these cultists who are like so angry and violent there really just wasn't a whole lot of violence like if you're gonna be that book like blow more people up then um anyway okay so end rant let <laughs> someone else talk <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm, I, I'm with you there as far as the the wordiness goes. I mean, I, again, I think there's an important message here that, you know, again, maybe 10 years ago, most people didn't realize how much the government controlled the media. Uh, people also didn't think the government was spying on their Facebook. Uh, but 10 years later, we all know about Snowden. We know about the NSA. We know, you know, that there's, and I, you know, the point he made is that there's, there's five uh, news six. companies. There's are six, six of them, yeah. Six mm-hmm. that control everything. That's nothing new. I mean, that we I learned that again about ten years ago when this came out. So it was again more a product of its time, and that does kind of show its age. But yeah, I I do have a problem when someone who is smart has to talk like they're smart to impress people, and I feel that's a lot of what Hickman does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a better job with it in Secret Wars 
but this one it's you know like yeah i can sit back here and if someone's like hey why does uh what's in shampoo that makes it work really well i'm like well there's a chemical called cocamidopropyl betaine it's a surfactant that makes this and i could or i could just be like there's soap chemicals you know <laughs> one gets the point across for someone to understand it and one of them just makes me look smart also makes me look like an asshole because i don't know how to speak to normal people and mm -hmm. i think that's a big thing that people need to be aware of uh and again it could just be hickman doing his first his first graphic novel I'm not, i've read some of his stuff i've not read all of it uh out of curiosity what have you read of his uh pretty much just this in secret wars and uh, i'm trying to think what else I gotta go look it up really fast. Okay, the other thing I, I, I have of his, I haven't read Secret Wars, but I have read, um, uh, what's that book called? Uh, Manhattan Projects. And uh, yeah, I read the first six issues of that, I believe. I have like a couple trades of it and I cannot get my head into that. Like it's, it's I have more of a problem with the Manhattan Projects of the writing to come across as really smart. Um, mm -hmm. That I do, like this book I think is, of the Hickman stuff I've read, this is the most attainable. Um, and the most straightforward, I guess. Um, but I also haven't read the Secret Wars stuff. I do find a strange irony in the fact that the guy who basically rails against all major media corporations works for essentially the Disney Corporation since he works for Marvel now, which I think is actually pretty damn funny. Yeah. Well, and even in the foreword um, by and Andy Diggle, it, it, he like kind of pokes fun at him for being like, and his his new his latest project, The Losers, is being leased by Warner Brothers. He did and the I'm Losers. Just, yeah. Andy Diggle. No. Andy and, Diggle did Andy the Losers. Diggle, okay. Okay. okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Um, but um, so my my comic book nerdy friends, um, which which we talk all day on on um, an instant messenger type app. Mm -hmm. um, when I said that we were doing this, they were like, "Oh, Hickman, like, yeah, he just wants to sound really smart. Like, if you try to read his Fantastic Four, like, you just really can't get into it." Which is kind of they said because I haven't read read that kind of works because it gets you in the head of Reed Richards because he never like fully explains stuff to people which is why people really don't like him like mm -hmm. you know what I mean so so like they said that kind of worked for that and then they said that his Avengers just really didn't work well mm -hmm. um well at least for them once again for other people it's like the most amazing yeah. thing ever um but I, just reading this this is the only thing that I've read of his not a fan He's a, because he's a very polarizing writer. I've kind of figured out, um, like, if you talk about like um, uh, Brian K. Vaughn or Brian Michael Bendis, most people probably like him or at least like some of their work. Um, Hickman is one of those guys that people either love him or they hate him. There's not a lot of people who are like, eh, he's okay. You know what I mean? But also his like afterward, it just also sounds like really smug. And also, yeah. what a fucking douchebag to like after the book ends have like. 8,000 more pages of and this is how I wrote this book yeah. and these are the references and one of the references is like I'm not even going to explain this reference to you go google it and I'm like listen fucker you're the one writing <laughs> a dissertation on the research you did on this book so if you're going to fucking explain stuff then explain everything ass oh I was so excited so I bought this on uh, comicsology uh, and I, I always go and like you know look and see how many pages it is because yeah, I can't hold the book in my hands you know it's just all on the screen and when I clicked on it it's like 261 pages I'm like oh Jesus fuck me up the ass uh, what have I got myself into and then I was I was like on page 150 I'm like there's only like one issue like what what's what is it so I skipped I'm like oh there's a script and a bunch of masturbation from John from Hickman awesome yeah um, no I, I like Secret Wars uh, and for my friends who had read a lot of especially his Fantastic Four uh, lead up into 
Secret Wars, uh, everything he'd been kind of planting seeds for apparently came to fruition there. Uh, again, I hadn't experienced that, so I didn't see it. But Secret Wars, he seems like he's a lot more mature. And yes, there's some heady ideas. And like you mentioned, Q, with you know Reed Richards, you know he is the smartest person alive, kind of like, but he's very aloof in that sense. That does come through, uh, but it almost seemed more accessible than this. But again, I didn't hate this book at all. Like actually, I think there were some good ideas. Uh, I just it, again, it feels. Oh, what book did we read that we look back and we're like, oh yeah, that was really dated. Um, I think it was like a preacher. When we talk about preacher, was very much a time mm-hmm. when, uh, back in the '90s when oh my god, this was crazy and you know comics didn't do this kind of stuff because it was when Spawn was first coming out and you got kind of your more adult type comics. Uh, it really did feel that way. Now that being said, I did I did enjoy the uh, the art. I mean, even though it is kind of weird sometimes, I didn't like always how we talked about how people's faces are kind of in shadows so and people look alike and this kind of stuff. But. Uh, I, I am glad I read it. It's not one that I would probably go back and read again for a while. Uh, but mainly because... Girl, you better read it again now before your eyes go bad. <laughs> get some, I get some bifocals. I got 2020 vision, honey. Um, <laughs> now I won't, I won't let Eddie read it because he'll be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's... Again, it's what I'm glad I read. Uh, if there were more of it, I probably wouldn't go read more because I don't... It's kind of, eh, it kind of ended. I feel like it kind of went nowhere towards the end. I mean, it had a really good setup. The second act happened, and then the main character like goes and gets like his brain rewritten uh, by the therapist. And now he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to listen to the voice anymore." And then the voice, kid, you know, puts him in the car, and he's like, "No, you're going to listen to me." He's like, "Okay, I'll listen to you." Uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a he didn't kind of know where he was going in the middle part and kind of lost his way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, uh, Todd, what are your thoughts on this? Because you've been a little quiet about this so far. So I think the story, or lack thereof, has been addressed. I really want to talk about his um, magazine he has put together more than anything else. As I read this comic book, you know, it took me the first 20 minutes. I had to reread the beginning again, trying to figure out the flow, mm-hmm. basically, as much as anything else. But as I read it here, I mean, there is bits of Bendis with bubbles of speech text moving all around the place. Mm-hmm. But it almost seems like came in with the idea of, you know, like the guy creating the uh, collage scrapbook, like, um, or I'm going to ransom letter, you know, I'm cutting up everything from magazines and I'm going to stack it on top of each other so you don't know who this originated from. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like the secret identity. And you've got Target sponsorship logos everywhere on the thing. (laughs) Every time I watched it, it was just kept going back to, um, oh, what was that movie? And the Pussycats. You know, it kept having the Target advertisements. So for whatever reason, every time I was reading this book, I kept thinking of of Josie and the Pussycats. Mm -hmm. Um, You can tell as much as anything, this thing's been over-engineered. Like, you know, you take first albums of music groups, and they have spent the last five, ten years of their life, it seems, crafting this album that they've put everything into. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to just stop mm-hmm. um, with the artwork on this I mean there's a lot of things I really appreciate it I mean it's very you can almost a lot of the styles is bled in today I mean you take a look at um, UI design coming from Apple and Google and Microsoft and they've really flattened out everything they've gotten rid of skeuomorphism and 
this has really done the same. I mean, it's got some textures and stuff going on, but I like the stripes that it brings in, or you have the circles, or even when it's just a black background, he adds flecks of paint. I mean, this guy went crazy with Photoshop and the paint app. But it adds some texture to it and some depth that wasn't normally there. Honestly, I would flip through this thing and it'd almost be like the ultimate Mad Libs of just eliminate the text boxes of what's actually being said. <laughs> write, your own comic book. write your own comic book. <laughs> and that would be kind of fun, actually. That might be kind of fun because you look at this, I mean, and he's got... And I say over-engineered, I mean, he's got all those written things of look how smart I am, and my, and I can understand how that puts some people off. Some ways I kind of like it, in other ways it gets to me and the font is small, but it's like those overproduced articles on websites as well. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of good stuff here, but it's like watching a Jerry Brockheimer and a Michael Blay Bay thing. I mean, it's just has a level of shellac mm -hmm. that makes it feel though it looks awesome and sometimes there's seeds of ideas and other stuff in here there's just something a little inauthentic about it it's been overdone okay so but with that being said i want to read it again mm -hmm. because the, the ending and the twist and you find out who the bad guy is like now that i know that information is it going to change it for me as I go through it again, and am I going to be able to better skip the infographics and that nobody cares about? Like, oh, that's interesting, but it has no bearing on the story. And that, that's the thing I have about the infographics. I do find them very interesting. I think it's good at setting tone, but I think that overall it's unnecessary to the overall story. Right, and, and what's... It, and then, like, it's, sorry to interrupt you, but... No, like, you're good. But, like, with the infographics, like, once again, if you want us to read it, make it fucking bigger! <laughs> so I can read it! Because, it's I mean, like, there, there is some good information in there, and it's uh -huh. kind of interesting. And once again, it sets a good tone. But also, if you're going to put a little disclaimer also in small font above it, saying, if you want to skip this, go ahead to the next page, but then right. put all that on there, then make it fucking bigger. This book is already, like, 8,000 pages long with your goddamn <laughs> sources in the back. Go ahead and make it so I can read it. But, yeah, it's like he self-annotated it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I can really see how it puts you off cue that he's like, look, I am pointing out how awesome I am. Do you see what I did there on mm -hmm. every single page? And actually, speaking of that, that gets me to my drink. Okay. Because <laughs> um, one of the things they put off was called uh, about alpha waves, how they did a study that shows that within, what, 15 minutes of watching TV, mm -hmm. your brain falls into the same pattern you would get into when you're being hypnotized. Yeah. And so actually my drink is called the uh, alpha wave. Uh, it is two ounces of hypnotic one ounce of Malibu and one ounce of pineapple juice. Uh, you shake that up in a martini shaker and then you strain it out into a martini glass. Okay. Hmm. I've been drinking a lot of those. But yeah, but back to the art again. It's interesting and it's busy enough. You can see when most characters are being portrayed, they've got a big fat border around them just so they stand out. Otherwise, it'd be too much and it would lose... I think your magazine description is a really good description of the art style. Like it is, it does have like almost a magazine type layout. Right. Yeah. I mean, you find out a bit with Hickman. He comes from a graphic background. Graphic yeah, which design. I didn't learn that until I talked to Maya about this book, and that's where I learned that. Right, but it absolutely screams it. It's like here's a guy that got tired of making websites for other people, so he decided to make a website into a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened here. And he told himself 
as he was making this how cool he was and he had to share with everyone how cool he was mm-hmm. as he wrote this thing so this is actually my first Hickman book and it's I guess Hickman's first book mm-hmm. I don't know I guess I it's my actually, answer at the end of the day I don't from know knowing you as long as I have taught I think you might actually like Hickman a little bit um, okay. I'll be honest with you mainly because your dad is one of the smartest fucking people I've ever known in my entire life that- and if you can survive and understand your father, I think you might be able to wrap your head around Hickman. That's that's my honest thought on that. Sure. And in some ways, Hickman reminds me of Morrison. You know, and Morrison's divisive as well. What I always mm-hmm. like about Morrison, if I ever start feeling like I'm weird or a little bad out there, mm-hmm. everyone should go to YouTube and look up his chaos magic speech he gives. That guy is so fucking out of his mind. <laughs> everybody's normal. Except okay. for him. It is astounding. Okay. So, but, yeah, I think I'm going to give it another go, but I'm, you know, it's one of those things that might be a lot better on the second viewing, or it's dense enough now that I've gotten the top layer off. Maybe it gets better, maybe not. I mean, or it could be like a uh, a very dense dessert that just kind of loses itself with everything it's trying to do. Because um, this is the second time I read it. I read this this summer when I was actually in Utah, I was reading this. Um, when we recorded some of those live episodes, um, and then, um, and then I just reread it for this. And what I ended up finding for me personally in the second reading is, is I knew that I could skip past the infographics. I kind of knew basically what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was more just about stories and characters, and I picked up a little bit more about what characters were doing what, and I picked up a little bit more about the story. But Q's right; there is really pretty much no fucking story to this book. No, um, there's not. <laughs> like so. seriously, if if you're gonna make a movie. Uh, just straight off of the story of this book, it would probably be forty-five minutes long. Yeah. Granted, you could you could make this entertaining. Is if you did with this book what they did with um, the the oh the mortgage bailout movie with Brad Pitt and oh, yeah, um, uh, the Big Short, the, the, the Big, Big Short, Short yeah. which by the way is a good movie because I lived mm-hmm. through it. I used to work for a mortgage company. That's mm-hmm. exactly oh, how the fuck that place worked. Um, but anyway, if they did where it's like when they're doing a side, so if like they did the infographics as like funny and they had like random celebrity cameos explain them, mm-hmm. that would actually be more entertaining. But then of course you run the risk of that being more entertaining than you're actually boring fucking story with no explosions except for like three um and, and anyway well, uh, i got a, a question for you on that q just mm-hmm. um in, in, for your thought if you were to if the, if the way this book was written if, if there basically was more of like a narrator character that you eventually realized that this was someone creating a propaganda piece or something like that and was that's that's there's actually a personality associated with the side notes and the little snide comments would that make this a better book or a worse book in that in your, I in mean, your... I honestly think that it would be about the same because more than likely what would happen in that situation is that you have this other character who's probably a news media person who's recapping the story after it all happens. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So then they would just be part of the same cycle. So I don't think that it would give you the same... Not that there's really, like, an ending to this book, but it would just be more of the same. Well, I think you could take this and actually make it a pretty entertaining movie if, like Q said, you go the the route of the big short. Because um, there's, again, there's an interesting story, and I like the fact that at the very beginning, they tell you straight up that this is a, a lie told in six parts. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of given warning at the very beginning that this is all one mind fuck and it's all just bullshit. Um, but you have to have, I mean, 
I'd, I'd have to stop and think about who I'd want to write it and who direct it. But um, again, there's there's an interesting story here, and I, it was more relevant ten years ago than it was now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It seems kind of like um, oh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I, I kept on thinking of the movie Falling Down when I was reading it. It was just someone who gets yeah. pissed off at everything. He's just done with life, and he's just gonna go fuck shit up. Uh, and then in the end. Nothing really happens. I mean, yeah, in the book, like the, the media conglomerates all get sued, and you know, it's all one big master plan. But in the end, is like everyone kind of ended where they, they they began. I don't know. Okay. So um, one of the things that was, I guess, somewhat interesting is the fact that they're talking about how journalists aren't really journalists anymore, and even in some of the infographics, they talk about how um, even journalists back in the day didn't have any journalistic integrity. So that brings me to my cocktail, which I'm renaming the journalistic integrity, Um, and it's also known as the Between the Sheets, which I thought was like, because, you know, the government's in bed with all of the major media outlets. Okay. And um, it is a. I also thought that it kind of worked because it's a prohibition era cocktail. Nice. Um, so you know, once again, like you know, government, blah 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 blah, going against government. So it's um, one ounce of cognac, one ounce of light rum, one ounce of fresh lemon or lime juice, mm-hmm. half ounce of Grand Marier, and a half ounce of simple syrup, and then a dash of orange bitters. And you can also um, rim your glass with sugar. And so you pretty much just you know shake all that shit up. Okay. Pour it into a glass, drink it. It sounds pretty good. It sounds like it's going to be too much for me because, you know, I'm a lady of very um, raspberry-like <laughs> taste. <laughs> but. Uh, and actually, I have an answer for what I just said. Uh, this, if this script was, or this story was written by Aaron Sorkin, because he already kind of tackled yeah. the subject with uh, The Newsroom, which mm-hmm. is absolutely fucking fantastic. One of the, mm-hmm. my favorite shows of all time. Uh, he could do this. He can, because yeah. he can write that dialogue like crazy, and then you just have Jeff Daniels be the voice. Yeah, because Jeff Daniels is amazing. Okay, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Todd, uh, what's your cocktail for this? Well, like in DMZ, this whole thing pretty much just takes in New York and Manhattan. So I'm just going for the classic, and I'm gonna be having me a Manhattan. Okay. Yep, it's whiskey, a little bit of sweet vermouth, bitters. Put a cherry in there if you feel like it. What's uh what's the ingredient like the the ounces and stuff like that for that? Oh, it's typically about I'll do a shot and a half of whiskey and dash of bitters and about ha- half a shot of sweet red vermouth. Okay. Yeah. Um okay, so the cocktail that I picked and I, I picked two cocktails because um, I was afraid that someone would pick this, but there's actually a really old cocktail from the early 1900s called The Journalist. Um and uh, so I picked that, which because I like old cocktails, it's essentially a variation on a perfect man, uh, martini, which I, I actually talked to a bartender, uh, Rich, who did our uh, cocktail for, um, he's our guest bartender for uh, Doctor Strange. He was mm-hmm. telling me that a perfect martini basically means that they've used both uh, the exact same amount of sweet vermouth and dry vermouth. Mm. Um, but so uh, I found this in a few different places, but uh, uh, it's notated as being in the 1939 Bar Guide Just Cocktails. Um, however, uh, so basically what it is, it's two ounces of gin, a half ounce of sweet vermouth, a house, half ounce of dry vermouth, two dashes of caracal, um, two dashes of lemon juice, and a dash of bitters. Uh, but so, that being said, I was afraid that, uh, this would have been picked. So I was looking for... I actually almost did pick it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I came up with the second one. Now, I need to try to find this. 
because there's a story that goes along with it. I can't find where I had that, so I will just tell you what the story was. Um, so basically, I went to uh, went speakeasy hunting trying to find a guest bartender for this week's episode. And unfortunately, I'm not even going to name the bar. I'm not going to do them do them justice because I kind of thought about using because I recorded um, with a bartender, but I don't really want to promote this bar at all because um, like it was it was basically a, a speakeasy that was. Um, oh, hey, Speakeasy is popular. We'll build one in our new restaurant. And essentially, you're drinking in like what probably was originally going to be a coat closet or a storage closet, right? Hmm. And so the bartender there, I talked, like the drinks that came off the menu were kind of eh, okay, but I thought, oh, I'll just give it a whim, you know, and because I was basically went bar hopping. I hit three bars that night, um, which, by the way, Q, I found a bartender who jumped at doing a, a cocktail for Bo, 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 Bo. Yay! Um, like, like, he's doing it seriously. Like, he's like, can I call you after the weekend? Like, he's going home, he's studying, he's making something hardcore. Um, God, I hope it's got no hair in it. Well, that's the thing is, so, like, I told him about it. This is totally side note, and I might have to cut this out. But so I was talking to him about it, and I was telling him about the show and that kind of stuff. And, like, he, it's a bar called Casa. It's down in Costa Mesa. But a lot of the bartenders that I'm friends with that I have a great deal of respect for will, like, check in there on occasion. Like, it's like a neighborhood bar, but, like, a, like a really good craft cocktail bar, which is kind of my jam. But so um, so I told him about it, and he pulled out this, like, garnish that he had just got. He goes, I'm so glad you walked in. He had just gotten this garnish, and it literally looked like hair. Like, in a jar, it looked like he basically had, like, a jar of pews. Um, so, um, but so he wants to use that garnish to make this cocktail. So anyway, so I, back to this other speakeasy that I won't talk about. Um, but so I asked the, you know, the girl to, you know, maybe make a drink for us. And I kind of, I do what I do with all the bartenders because I don't expect them to read all the books, but I basically say, okay, this is essentially what the story is about. Um, you know, and, and this is what it is. So I'm like, you know, see if you can pick a cocktail with it. So she comes back with a cucumber collins. And I was like, I don't understand what that has to do with the book. You know what I mean? And like, it, it's not named after anything. It was basically just flat out Cucumber Collins. And she was telling me, the problem I had with it is this, and this is why it was interesting to tie it in this book because it's a little bit of a, a weird pseudo-plagiarism thing. Um, she claimed that she'd been working on the recipe. So she gave me the recipe. I looked it up online, like just Cucumber Collins, just Googled it. The top hit, the New York Times, is the exact same recipe. Like, everything is there. Like, I think the only variation is how many slices of cucumbers. So I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of weird. So I was looking for um, another uh, cocktail, and I was looking up a cocktail for, I was like, okay, I was trying to think of like old, uh, like investigative journalism movies. And I remembered the movie, uh, Good Luck and uh, Good Night and Good Luck, right? Mm -hmm. I looked up Good Night and Good Luck, the cocktail, and I found something on um, Martha Stewart something or other, right? And so it was a Martha Stewart cocktail called Good Night and Good Luck. And so I look it up. It is basically a Moscow mule with two slices of cucumber in it. So I am calling my second cocktail, fuck you, Martha Stewart. And it is a <laughs> Moscow mule with two slices of, of, uh, of cucumbers in it. And I will give the actual recipe on our website. Um, it'll be on our blog later this week, probably. But so yeah, that's my, that's my second cocktail, which is the fuck you, Martha Stewart. Um, so anyway, that being said, we, we got everybody's cocktails. Mm -hmm. um, anybody else have, I mean, thoughts and things like that they want to bring up on this? I feel like what I really need to do more of is pick a book that I know Q will hate, wind him up like a monkey, and just let him go because it's real entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not? Because I just sound like a bitch for like four episodes. <laughs> well, I think next week is a book that you're going to like because mm -hmm. I know you've already read it. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, and then the one after that is your recommendation. So that's I mean, true. If, that's if you true. don't like the next two, if you're cranky, that's your own damn fault, man. Well, I mean, the thing is, so technically not my recommendation. It's one of yeah. my participants' recommendations. Well, true, but still, oh, we're doing it for you, man. We're doing yeah, it for you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because everyone I've described this book to, they're like, "No way, this is the craziest thing I've ever so read." I've, I've read the first couple pages and I'm like, "What the fuck have I gotten this into?" <laughs> <laughs> this could be very entertaining. This would be amazing. Okay, uh, so did anybody have any final reviews on everything? Has everyone kind of said their piece on this piece? Um, I think I think we've, we've pretty much dissected it as much as we're going to. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Uh, does anybody have any recommendations? So my recommendations are I have, I have two. Okay. First, uh, I've got a lot of shows going on. Y'all motherfuckers, come out and see my shows. <laughs> um, go go support. Um, rest in players with Gypsy by the time this premieres um, they'll already be three weeks in so go get your tickets restinplayers.org um, and also White Christmas is coming up we are already selling like a lot a lot of tickets um, big Christmas shows like this sell out super fast so yeah. um, if you plan on coming down because I know all of you of course live in the DC area aka Southern Maryland aka the bottom of the world um, I thought that was Florida. P- PTP players. <laughs> org. Come support, girl. I'm talking six hundred dollars worth of red velvet. I just want to roll in it, honey. It's gonna be flawless. Come, come support that. And my second recommendation is go out tomorrow and vote. So even mm-hmm. though I, you know, I want to say I don't care who you vote as long as you vote. Please make a smart decision. Yeah. And go vote. <laughs> I have to say I am slightly proud of us that we kept politics for the most part out of this episode, which I'm very happy we did. Uh, I, I, well, I, I feel like there's not much that needs to be said about that at yeah, this point. Yeah, no, pretty much. I, I, don't, I think everyone has made the decision, and they're going to go one way or the other, no matter what. And if you've been following me on Facebook, you would know that because I just started picturing, posting pictures of hot guys. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So, and if you do follow Adam, <laughs> you will realize if I get fired from my job, it's because I was sitting at work last night and I noticed what Adam's been doing is now that he's done voting, he's just, instead of putting the election stuff up, he's just putting up pictures of shirtless hot guys. So someone... <laughs> it's, uh, all, it's all G or PG, though. It's not it naughty. But it was, I think it was uh, Lee George Cade from The Geek Show's wife. It was uh, Rachel Cade, correct? Yeah. Was asking someone over 40 because she was feeling dirty. So, of course, I don't know why my brain went this way, but I just decided to Google while on company Wi-Fi, Sexy Abe Lincoln, um, which I found a great... Listen, Abraham Lincoln, though. I know. But it's like it's totally photoshopped. But go check it out. I'm a little bit proud of that. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so speaking of sexy Abe Lincoln, real quick. Okay. Um, so I think I mentioned it uh, when it was around my birthday when we were doing this because <laughs> no, we've been doing this for a while. But my birthday theme this year was um, uh, you have to dress up like someone who was also born on your birthday. And so mm-hmm. one of my friends came as hipster Lincoln, and it was a little bit of sexy Lincoln too. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay. He, he wore an Abraham Lincoln tank top. You know, if you switch out that top hat with, like, um, like a, a bowler hat or, like, a fedora, you could... I mean, Abe Lincoln could be pretty hipster pretty quickly. I mean, duh. with that beard. Yeah. Okay, okay. so th- those are my recommendations. Go vote. Go vote. Uh, Todd, do you have any recommendations? Yes, I have two as well, so I'm waiting to get the ball rolling on that. Um... <laughs> One graphic novel I did read this past week, I highly recommend. It's called Velvet Before the Living End is the first Oh, I've been looking forward to that. That's uh, Brewbreaker, right? It is Brewbreaker. Yeah. And basically, it's a uh, 
espionage spy thriller set in the 60s and kind of the idea and it's all its own character names but it's a bit of a play is like uh, James Bond's Money Penny. What if there was more to Money Penny than you thought? Money Penny. Yes, Money Penny. It's great. I um, after reading it I bought the next two. Nice. And they're not here yet. So and it's only ten bucks. So nice. as yeah, stuff we've been doing with image is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, I won't interrupt anymore. But no, no, it's really great. And yeah, I'm becoming a big fan of Brewbreaker. He's doing a yeah. lot of good stuff. Um, the second thing I'll push, I mean, just for supporting local arts and whatnot, you've got Q out in Maryland, but those in Utah. Um, this week I saw the bull shark attack at Salt Lake Acting Company. You know, it was written here in Utah, and it was the premiere of it and whatnot. It was pretty good. There was nudity going on, so I guess that's that. always awkward on stage. It really is, and it okay, was hold done. On, I have a question for you: yeah. female or male? Female. See, I'd only... say she's about fifty. Okay. And we was in a, like a black box type of deal. There's small stage, and people saved us seats. It was general. Yeah, I was like three feet from her. That was the sick. only show I've seen, like a live show I've seen with female nudity. Q stage managed. In Pittsburgh. Oh. oh, did you come see that hot ass mess? Yeah, did <laughs> you really? That's what I came out for St. Patrick's Day. That's right, that's right, St. Patrick's Day. It was the, um, it's called the Late Henry Moss, and this yeah. girl has to get naked and into a tub, and because we're doing this in the middle of winter in Pittsburgh and found space, we couldn't get the water hot enough, so that actress yeah. eventually caught pneumonia. Yeah. Wow. Getting but, into yeah. cold water naked. Wow. But the general idea is support your local arts, go see a show, get tickets, everyone. I mean, it's passion projects for everyone at that level, and just enjoy it, please. Cool. Yeah, that's me. Uh, Adam, you got anything you want to promote or Um, uh, recommend? Yeah, just what we were uh, talking about when you got kidnapped earlier. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) I I ended up picking up, I was bad and used my credit card and uh, (laughs) got the, uh, the PlayStation Virtual Reality Unit. Oh, okay. That thing is badass. I mean, it's uh, just the the one the first demo you get to play with it. You're in a shark cage, and you're getting attacked by a great white shark. And every single person who's tried it is just giddy because it, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's this one game we're playing called Eve Valkyrie, where like you're a fighter pilot, like in the, like a space, almost like an X-wing type thing. And you're sitting there in your ship, and like you're you're tracking down these guys dogfighting. And like when one guy goes past you, you can like literally turn to the right, and like you can follow them around, and like it's. It's a lot of fun. It's really immersive. There's a the Resident Evil demo scared the hell out of me and Eddie <laughs> and Maya. Um, no, it's it's really cool. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, they actually are going to do an X-wing version uh, game, or at least an experience when Rogue One comes out. So, it the cool thing with this is that it's you know if you got a PlayStation, the kit's 500 bucks, which is it's pricey. I'm not going to deny that. But if you're trying to go with like an Oculus Rift or the HTC Vive, where to revive, mm-hmm. you're looking at almost a thousand dollars for the setup. Plus, you got to have a really powerful computer to even get going. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of like VR for the masses, and okay. uh, it's definitely it's like when you come up, you got to try it out because it's, it's something you just got to experience. It's really cool. Okay. So. Cool. Uh, anything else? Since everyone else has done too. <laughs> Um, no, you don't have to. I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just curious. Oh, uh, go to Build-A-Bear. They have Pokemon Build-A-Pokemons. <laughs> okay. And it's really cute. Okay. And Badger hates it, so I make it Humper. Nice. <laughs> uh, I think for my record, I, I realized I pulled a Q this week, and I did not plan on any sort of recommendation. <laughs> um, but I will say um, I have... It's 
uh, I've just finished watching the American Horror Story uh, Hotel season uh, on Netflix and loved it. Uh, so I like American Horror Story. I will recommend that show. I will not recommend the Freak Show season. No. Um, uh, outside of that, I actually find something to like in every other season. Um, I don't like Freak Show. And then on a similar topic and tying into Todd's a little bit and tying into Q's, mm-hmm. um, I know Q loves a, uh, a series, a uh, comic book series with a good, strong female protagonist. Yeah. And Todd mm-hmm. is a loving brewbaker. Uh, so there is a series that Brubaker did um, with Sean Phillips, who uh, Sean Phillips and Brubaker are a amazing combination. They've done a lot of work together. There's a series called Fatal, which I loved dearly, um, where basically uh, what it is is it's a it's it sort of has a murder mystery sort of thing, but also has a little bit of a, a horror kind of um, H.P. Lovecraft kind of thing going on. But really, it's about sort of like a like in every uh, detective movie there is you know that, that that sultry girl who walks in and the detective falls in love with her and stuff like that well what happens if that girl actually is almost cursed to be seductive and doesn't necessarily want to use that power or uh, you know has more than that so basically it's 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 a it's a, a female who kind of lives forever and so each book happens in a different time frame one of them happens like in the mid 90s in Seattle and one of them happens in the 20s and like and so it's it's this girl kind of surviving um you know, with this sort of curse uh, over the course of time, so it's sort of like a, a noir detective story with like a, a little bit of a darker H.P. Lovecraft twist and very strong female protagonist. So it covers a few bases for this show, at least. Um, and it's Brubaker, so it's uh, it's so it's, it's well written. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! It's so good. And and Sean Phillips and Brubaker, like I love those guys to get death as well. Um, they also actually, I'll, I'll do a third recommendation since we're talking about Brubaker. Uh, <laughs> They uh, they did a series together called uh, Criminal, uh, which I thought was amazing. And basically, each collection, each trade is a different storyline. There's only one character, a guy named Lawless. I can't remember his first name. His last name is Lawless. He shows up in two books, but outside of that, they're all individual. And they're basically like crime stories from the criminal's perspective. And they just came out with a seventh volume. Uh, for a long time, it had just been the sixth, and then they switched publishers. And so with Image, they just published their seventh. Um, and it's I haven't read it yet. I've bought it. Um, but all other six are awesome reads. Uh, so also, uh, Sean Phillips uh, art, uh, Ed Brubaker writing, it's some pretty bitchin' stuff. Uh, so definitely worth checking out that as well. So hey, look, I did three. Um, so next week, we are doing The Wicked and the Divine, and I will warn you now, um, I have a guest bartender for this. Um, I've already tasted the drink. I haven't recorded the interview. It is amazing. Um, I will send the recipes out to the guys if you guys want to try it. I highly recommend the... Uh, I guess the bartender cocktail we have next I'll week. Twist my arm to drink. Oh, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, are we drinking? Oh, yeah, I know. Right? But it's, it's a pair of shots, and they're so fantastically made. It's it's really like it. Was, yes, I will just say it was the third bar I hit that night. So, um, <laughs> and I wasn't driving. Thank God. Uh, so um, there is that as well. But it was really really good. I'm really excited about that. But uh, the weekend divine. I know Q has read it. Um, I've read. I'm not completely caught up. Uh, because there's a fourth trade out that I haven't read yet, but uh, the gist of the story and Q, correct me if this isn't a, a, a decent little summary. There's a group of gods that's reincarnated every 90 years, and they're alive for two years and then they die. And the story wraps around mainly the most modern incarnation of them, um, which is basically a group of young uh, pop and rock stars in England. Uh, so they're all kind of using their muse powers as musicians, and it's about fandom and uh, drama between artists and uh, religion and I mean all sorts and of then, interesting and then the right. mystery comes in where um, someone dies and it looks like one of the gods did it but mm-hmm. you're not really sure what's going on and it's 
very once again obviously we're going to be talking about this next week but it's a very it's a very interesting look at different theologies all mixed together because mm-hmm. one of the characters is Lucifer but it's a female character and one of the characters is uh, Wudin from Norse mythology and so it's just a bunch of different things all put together which is very cool yeah it's a fun book it's uh, I, I highly recommended it uh, I, I highly recommend it I like it a lot um, I don't really have a lot of caveats on it. The other thing is, is that I have a, and I'm sure Q can attest this. I don't think it's in the book we're going to read, but in like I think the second book, um, one of the one of the performers is, or one of the gods is asking why he's so drained after he performs, and there's a description of what the gods have to go through to perform on stage. And I sent it to a friend of mine who's a, a singer, and he was like, that's the most accurate description I've seen of being on stage um, in places. But uh, I'll, I'll pull it up for you, Q. I can't remember where it is, but <laughs> anyway, I think it's in like the second trade. Um, anyway. So that's next week. Um, so until then, I guess uh, if nobody else has anything uh, left, we will uh, we'll call it there. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.